Welcome to Multiple Offers, a real estate show with competing perspectives. Today we are talking about multiple offers. Put that coffee down. If you're good at something, never do it for free. How'd you get the gig? Oh, you know, they were hiring. It was only a two-week course. I will sell this house today. What are you, some kind of real estate agent? Oh, he's a realtor. There is a difference somehow. This is Multiple Offers, a real estate show. All right, guys, it's episode 56. It only took us 56 episodes to talk about multiple offers. <laughs> Just been waiting for these guys to talk about what their show's actually called. Yeah, for, for the, the right exact moment. And actually, we're doing it in the most unusual way. Well, yeah, we're going to get really specific. <laughs> We're specifically talking about how multiple offers are different in a down market. Soft market? We can use whatever <laughs> words you like, Matt. In a in a bear market? Is, bears are the bad ones? I feel bear? like bull is the bull? good one and bear is the bad one. Am I right? I wouldn't know. I don't think I've ever used that, bear that language. I'm going to start. I feel like a stockbroker. <laughs> yeah. So we got a big show. Matt's got some news. We're going to talk about multiple offers. We got some stories, and I think there's even a question of the week. All the things today. All the things. We went a little light last episode. But before we get into it's because I was gone. <laughs> you, you had nothing to talk about. Um, I, was, I was glad to hear Jay back on the show. And, yeah, it was good to have him. Yeah, and I, and I don't own a vacation property. So we I talked I, about that. I, I listened to it. I learned. I learned things. I, I'm glad you learned listening. I kind of. I thought it would have been good if you were on the show just to have your. I don't know anything. Just to be like what, <laughs> or or to have follow up questions to to yeah from a, a perspective of somebody who actually would look at it through a different lens versus just us being like this is what it's like to own one. It's so fun for sure. <laughs> and and I think having a boat is kind of similar. But I don't have a boat. I go on someone's boat. It's yeah. not mine. No. But you can take it out. Because a boat is a hole you throw money into. (laughs) (laughs) So is a cabin. Acquisition (laughs) and maintenance is the big part of what people need to know. Right. Right. It's not the part. The easy part is just showing up and enjoying it. Right. If it's a boat or a cabin or whatever. Right. Totally. So before we get into it, though, I want to know, you guys shot your first like full-blown listing video with a camera person and, and everything. How did it go? Yeah, next not, level. Not, not shot on an iPhone. <laughs> not shot on an iPhone. I would say, because we made heaps and heaps of videos. Yeah, um, but yeah, it's not your first video, this but was this was... This was professional. This was something new. Someone that does it for a living as their job. Right. I think it went well. I got to be the talent. And apparently they still say that in, in the biz. Jer was cast as, as lead, lead actor. Okay. Yeah, yeah. He, uh, he won the part because he has lace-up shoes. Not because okay. of, <laughs> not because of the what, sheer what, amount was of tying talent. Shoelaces an that, important that was a, a, a necessary video? scene in the video. Don't, okay, don't and, give away the whole plot. No, you guys have been making me wait till now. Now I want to know. <laughs> yeah, that's how he got the part. Yeah, we wanted a scene where he was tying shoes. It was necessary. I, we felt to highlight one part of the home. Yeah, the shoe the shoe tying yeah. part yeah. of the home. Yeah. Okay, it was a breakthrough role for me. <laughs> was Was there anything unexpected? in recording the video that you're like, oh, I didn't think that's the way it would go. Uh, not terribly unexpected, but impressive. Yeah. Of how many different angles we will shoot the same thing from. Right. Which totally makes sense. But when you're doing it yourself, you're like, I don't want to shoot that again. 
right. you know, keep going around from all these angles and doing it. And of course, having another person there mm-hmm. to do all of it for you, then it's a little easier. But I'm so interested to see how it's all packaged together in the end. Because you're, you're not even editing. You're, no, it's great. This is this is uh, the full service. Yeah. So yeah. we we brought our props. We we gave the baseline of the storyboard. Uh, she came and from our storyboard, then had a whole list of wide shot, close up, you mm-hmm. know, yeah. mid shot, like everything, sort of all these different angles. And you know, I was telling our assistant Debbie about what it was like doing it. And we've got one scene where I come and knock on the door, and Jeremy lets me in. Well, that's you know, four different times we shoot me walking towards the door with the camera behind me. Yeah. And then four, four different four, times yeah. with the camera in front of me. And then oh, Jer right. open the, opens the door and the camera's behind Jer four times. And then the camera's behind me four times and a close up of me knocking on the door. <laughs> and that's just to go through the door. Yeah. And we, we took a, we took a page out of your playbook um, to try and make a listing video interesting and just try and have like yeah. something. So we, yeah, we just right. kind of, we created yeah. a little funny kind of fun storyline that we went, went through. Yeah. Um, it took a lot. It, like normally, when we do ours, it's fairly quick and dirty, and just get it done. Yeah. Um, but this was it was four. We displaced our owner for f- four, four hours. We were on hours. set for four hours. Yeah. On, on yeah. set. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. This guy. I mean, it's, it's great to have somebody who's a professional show up with all the right equipment, gets it all set up, gets it all dialed in. Uh, so that was really great. You know, we brought our props. So and and again, like you said, Jeff, not doing the editing, it's just a huge weight off our shoulders. So pretty excited to see what it looks like. Well, it's funny too because I don't shoot my own listing videos, but I do edit them, and I don't necessarily want that many angles because that's more footage I need to watch through. But if somebody <laughs> else was doing it, then <laughs> yeah, and. and to be fair, now this is an individual who's a professional wants to make lots of promotional videos like right. this, yeah. but is building that side of her business. So this is the first listing video like this that she's done. Right. And she may, after the editing process, say, we're going to shoot things a little different next time. Yeah, things probably <laughs> adapt. But, I mean, she's done a lot of good stuff. Like, she did the Neil Doug promotional video. She did video. the promo video for the and guitar that shop. that yeah. fantastic. I was really yeah. impressed with that. Yeah, yeah, super cool. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, yeah, we've seen some good work for her. So it was, it was really fun being there. Uh, nothing, I don't know. I guess the biggest thing I didn't think of was just all the different angles and how we could do it. We had a little fun playing along with continuity. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jared did the whole scene of tying his shoes. Yeah. Um, and earlier he had put on his suit jacket and, uh, and then he was mm-hmm. tying his shoes and we got through the whole bit of like eight different angles of him tying his shoes and getting the lighting and the view and all this stuff in and we're like okay cool that's it we can switch jer out and bring matt in now and he stands up and i'm like hey jer uh you're not wearing your jacket (laughs) (laughs) it it was it's a hot south-facing apartment so i was yeah we totally forgot to well and that one you're probably going to get caught on like a lot of them you can get away we we reshot it like yeah that makes sense because a jacket people are going to notice like i find i often will shoot a close-up of like my hand picking something up and a lot of times when I get back, I'm like, oh, I used the other Right hand, hand. left hand. Yeah. And if I really want to get fancy, I can flip the frame and kind of make it look like, even though, why is he wearing a wedding ring on his, flip. On his, <laughs> on his right hand? But most of the time, people just don't notice. Yeah. Little stuff. Jacket, they're probably going to notice. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> yeah. But all in all, it was, yeah, it was pretty, pretty fun. Cool. Fun little thing to do. So shot it on a Tuesday. No, we shot it on a Monday. And today's Wednesday, and we're hoping we see our first cut today. Oh, nice. So we're pretty excited. Yeah. Yeah. That's fantastic. What's going on with you, Jeff? Well, I'm working on a, an offer this morning. Competing, and, of course, because... No, no, <laughs> not a multiple offer. But one of those, 
uh, offers where we got a big gap between what we think fair value is and what the seller thinks. Like uh, about 150 grand. On a? Round a million. Okay. 10%. I mean, that, and, they, they started, that's like a starting point? Problem is they just reduced their price. But they're, yeah. to put it in context, they're asking half duplex price for a townhouse. Right. Very nice. Like the, the home is beautiful. It's a lovely home. But you look at the sales that month, and the price they want is what the half duplexes are selling for, not what the townhouses are selling mm. for. But I got a, what I feel like is good news. So I, I called the realtor this morning. No answer. Left a message, sent a text, sent her an email explaining why and everything. And one of the episodes we talked about not getting into stats, but I do really believe in telling the story of how we got there and where we're coming from and why why we're doing what we're doing. And I got a text back that said, thanks for your offer. I'll get back to you this afternoon, which that's promising to me. <laughs> like, that's not a, I'll tell you where you can go, which sometimes you get with those offers. I'm not even showing this to my seller. Right. Yeah. And I, I really took the angle with my email of, um, your, I know you know all of this. Like, yeah. I know you know that you're priced where the duplexes are selling, not where the townhouses are selling. I'm assuming your seller is stuck on yesterday's prices. and Or maybe their tax where... assessment. Yeah, it's actually very close to their tax assessment. Yeah. Uh, they're a little under their tax assessment, which I'm sure is part of the things that's making so it tough. It's a, that's a hurdle for sure. But I was really excited because you never know, right? When, you, when you've when you got that much of a gap, sometimes no, you, don't you get know. like a crazy realtor. You don't know who you're going to get, right? Yeah. But my approach is even if I see an offer and I hate it, is that I'm still going to give that answer of like, thanks for the offer. I'll get back to you. Yes. <laughs> and that, that would be my place too. I always say thank you. It's not necessarily that this will go well. It's that we're not off to the guns a-blazing... Um, how dare you write me this yeah. insulting? It's always hard too because it's so relative. Like your offer just looks like such an insane lowball. Um, so it's gonna be easy for a seller to just be pissed if they actually think that that their list price is accurate. And the realtor is a relative, mm. so <laughs> getting a little personal. Yeah. So that's what I'm dealing with this morning, and I, I had to send her a text being like, "I won't be available for the next two hours. I've got a very important meeting." <laughs> <laughs> Okay, let me tell you about the news. I've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story. And I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. I got a news flash for you, Walter Cronkite. I am enlightened. Do it live! I can, I'll write it and we'll do it live! This is Multiple Offers, a real estate show. Okay, this article... New news source this week, mclean's.ca. Never heard of it. Never heard of it. Yeah. So uh, this came across my news feed. Uh, good headline. I, I read the article. We're not going to go through all of it, but uh, headline reads, real estate photos are distorting reality, frustrating would-be homebuyers. This is old news. We, we talked about real estate photos like, when was that? That was one of our earliest episodes, that was, well, Episode 20 was talking yeah. pictures. Yeah. And that's exactly the point, is that the news is always way behind our podcast. <laughs> wow. Just wait till virtual reality ruins 
people's perspectives on properties. <laughs> <laughs> so subheadline, wide-angle lenses, Photoshop, and virtual staging. Real estate photo enhancement is reaching new heights as desperate sellers look to sell imperfect homes. That's an interesting choice of words, desperate sellers. Desperate sellers. Mm. Uh, this was published May 15th, so it's not totally out of date. Huh. Uh, I, I read the entire article. I mean, lots of it is an acknowledgement that we have a responsibility representing sellers to show the home in the best light we can. Uh, they've got quotes from different you know, realtors and different professionals saying, you know, we don't want to overstate and disappoint people when they arrive, but we want to show it in a good enough light that people will show up, show, show up exactly. Yeah. Um, but then they, they're highlighting one consumer who really felt sort of cheated or tricked because they showed up at this home and the way the photos were set up made it look like it was an open concept kitchen to living room situation. And when they got there, it was a galley kitchen. Gross. And they're, I don't, they're like, I don't even know how they achieved this in the photos. Hmm. I was showing listings um, earlier this year where the photos were not the listing at all. It was part of a new development, and they had just used the show suite photos right. for everything. All of them, yeah. Yeah, like I got somebody who called me. He's like, this place looks amazing for a one-bedroom. I'm like, yeah, that's not a one-bedroom. <laughs> yeah, I hate how those guys, the developers, just use one batch of photos, and they'll use it for a two-bedroom, a three-bedroom, a one-bedroom. Yeah. It's all the same. It's garbage. Yeah, yeah. It might be the display suite. It might be the display suite, but it might actually just be like renderings, too, and not even yeah. actually a unit. Well, that was what was kind of the most interesting, I thought, in what you said. The virtual staging. Yeah. There was a ton of buzz about that when I was at the Remax convention in Vegas. Like in the vendors hall, they were all there showing <laughs> it off. And it is impressive when you walk in and you're like, oh man, I can see everything. And yeah. I'd, what do you think is more disappointing <laughs> for a buyer though? You're looking at pictures online and you see, um, say it's a nice clean home um, with a little bit of updates here and there, but it's just staged with just really beautiful furniture, artwork, like all this flair. Um, they get in and there's... It's just it's the same floor, same plan or whatever, but there's no furniture um, or pictures that are obviously like a huge um, wide angle fish eyed lens that's making a space look bigger. I don't find virtual staging nearly as offensive as a misleading wide angle lens photo. Yeah. Yeah. Because if a home's vacant, it's kind of nice to be able to see, oh, okay, this is how the furniture, as long as they're the virtual furniture they're using actually is proportional to what those things should be. If they're kind cause you could really easy shrink that stuff. But as long as it's being honest, I don't mind virtual. Staging. Yeah. My experience with it so far is it's been pretty accurate. Yeah. So I'm okay with it. I don't think it's the best tool to sell the home because when a lot of buyers arrive in an empty room, they have a really hard time then visualizing. Yeah. Is furniture going to fit? Will beds fit in here? And then you have to, now you're standing there in a real physical space and you say, oh, okay, well, let's go back and look at those virtually staged photos to prove to you that things will fit. The, the, you need to have glasses that you can give the buyer. <laughs> like, going, now we're just going to VR. Yeah. It's going to be VR <laughs> showings. I mean, either way, you're you're still, a buyer's still going to a property physically, you know, going and seeing it. Um, can they really be duped other than just you wasted my time? Well, they're not duped, but I, I just don't think it's helping the home sell itself to the best potential because I do think furniture in a home allows for people to create a better story in their mind when they're in the home. 
Sure. Yeah, if the home needs staging, then it probably just needs staging. Yeah, but it's expensive. So virtual staging yep. is the cheaper option. You know, in a perfect world, if I couldn't afford like to actually stage a home, I would want to photograph it vacant, s- virtually stage it with really pretty stuff that draws people in, yeah, and then have regular furniture there when they arrive, so they can at least still yeah. map the space. The, I mean, one of the the biggest things with staging is to show dimensions and and for a place. I mean, it's it can be really important for some of the condos we sell as they get smaller and smaller to show that. Because there's some bedrooms that you wouldn't even know a bed could fit in it unless there's a bed in it. We've talked about this yeah. on the show. Every time somebody walks in, a bed wouldn't fit in here. <laughs> <laughs> and you're like, no, it does. It just looks small because it's vacant. So that's that's the purpose. So I feel like you're only kind of getting, you're only halfway there by putting a, a couch in a picture, but not actually having it there in the property. Yeah. So anyway, the article here from McLean's, I'll put the link in the show notes. I, I like the way he closed it out. He's like, look, I've, I've summarized a lot of complaints from buyers and consumers in this. He says, that said, buyers should remember, you'll soon find yourselves on the other side of the table and one day you'll be the seller. And I promise you, you will want your house shown in the most flattering light. That's good that he ended it that way. I mean, part of it too is what's at stake here? Like it, it does kind of suck, but it's not nearly as bad as some of the news stories we've talked about. Like, Okay, I wasted an afternoon because I went and saw like that galley kitchen thing. That sucks. It but does. That, that guy, all that guy is really out is time. I feel like that realtor is hurting themselves because everyone's going to be disappointed. Yeah, when they <laughs> when they get there. Yeah, that's <laughs> taking it too far. It's doing yeah. it the wrong way. But we're definitely going to do the best we can to highlight these yeah. properties. Um, before we move off news, did you guys see that crazy story out of Ontario? The the blind seller. Oh, I saw a headline and I didn't want to read it. It's it's pretty awful. Jared, did you see this thing? No. So the, this guy in Ontario, he's elderly, like in his in his late seventies. I don't know if he it happened or not, but allegedly he's claiming his realtor came in and told him that he was past the age that he could own a home and that he would help him draw up mortgage documents to extend it, but then it listed it and then sold it. And the guy's blind and um Essentially, he, he's claiming that he sold his home without his knowledge and that uh, it's this big disaster, and it's awful. Hmm. The weird thing about the story, though, is the story goes after the buyer's agent, too. Like It's like the buyer's agent didn't do their due diligence to find out that the seller didn't want to sell and whatnot. And I'm like, uh, I know Toronto hasn't updated their rules, but we're actually legally not allowed in B.C., to be looking into that stuff at this point. Like it, it's, it's just insane to me that like everybody gets blasted with that brush. Cause if, if it's real mm-hmm. and the, and the listing agent did it, that guy's a dirt bag and deserves everything coming to him. Dude. But is it really on a buyer's agent now to, to double check every time a house is for sale for me to say, hold on yeah. before I submit my offer, can you verify that your seller does in fact want to sell? Yeah. Imagine we did that for every yeah. single transaction. Part of your due diligence yeah. is, okay, now it's time for me to chat with your seller. Can you please put them on the line? Right. <laughs> and I, I think maybe why they're liping them in is it is same office. Um, but yeah. still, like, no, I don't there, know. There's one real slimy person in this, and it's not the buyer's agent. Yeah, totally. Now you want to get nuts? Come on. Let's get nuts. You decide your own level of involvement. Well, I guess this is a case where we'll have to agree to disagree. I don't agree to that. Neither do I. Wrong. National debt. Wrong. Wrong. Advocate. Wrong. Without money, wrong. Lost. Wrong. 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 Very nice words, but happens to be wrong. You're listening to Multiple Offers, a real estate show. 
So if you listen to our Buying at the Bottom episode, or if you haven't listened to <laughs> Buying at the Bottom episode... Turn this off now. You may have, have, have missed the bottom, because while the market is not crazy hot, we're seeing a lot of multiple offers again. A big resurgence in the last two weeks. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I feel like every couple of days in New West, I'm hearing about... Um, multiple offers and across a broad spectrum. Like it's not just like, oh, condos priced at this point are all crazy hot because sometimes that happens. The interesting thing is detached houses, right? Uh, you know, a million bucks and up are are selling in a, in a week or two. Yeah, that's a that's a big big shift for for us that we we know we haven't seen. And, and I can't really speak to Vancouver market, but um, certainly in New West, we're we're off. Off the races. How do you want to break this down here? How do you want to? How do we want to educate the listener? Well, why don't we Are talk about? I think yeah. I think we can say at this point, multiple winning a multiple offer if you're buying a home now needs to be. You need to put some thought into your strategy of how you win. And I I think because we haven't talked about this on the show, maybe we talk about on a broad case, just in general, how do you win multiple offers? How it's specific to. This market currently, how that's a little bit different, and and you know what what the listener can take away from it. Um, I mean, I know we've talked lots about multiples on the show, yeah, like many times about the idea of oh, people were making unconditional offers, and this yeah. is how well, this is how it, sort of the routine was, yeah. But the routine is different now. It is, and and maybe I was thinking initially that this was mostly for buyers, but. I think sellers probably need to wrap their head around that just because you get five offers doesn't mean you're getting $100,000 over your asking price. That's a good point. Yeah. 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 They want to be setting the table with them too, right? Especially yeah. if they've got an agent selling them on like, well, we're going to list your house at this price and it's going to get you multiples. Mm, yeah. You know, and then they think that that's going to bring them this amazing outcome. That's an imp- that's really important. And maybe, yeah, just right off the bat, like with some of the ones that we've had lately on houses, it's is they weren't, I mean, we were dealing with it before. In the past, like let's say a year and a bit longer ago, um, where people were kind of intentionally underpricing, and what the shocking thing is recently is that these are houses that were just kind of priced fairly. Like that's a fair price. Yeah, yeah. Because I, I don't think we're back at the point where intentionally underpricing. Like for a while, that was the winning strategy. That there was a good argument to be made of you actually are going to get more money for your home if you price it a little under. Not crazy, but just, you know, you pay attention to your search price points and if your home's worth 625, it's way better to price it at 599 and get the huge multiple offer than than price it at 6 and a quarter. It's safe to say we're probably not there yet. That's that's not where we're at, I don't think. No, no, because as we talked about in buying at the bottom, there's a huge proportion of the inventory that isn't getting any offers at all. Right. So you don't know if you're going to be the one that gets the offers. Boom or bust. (laughs) (laughs) It is. And eventually that is what's going to shift is that these multiples are going to create demand for, Mm -hmm. we'll call it the secondary market. Yeah. (laughs) Because the primary stuff, the best product is moving. Yeah. Well, and and if, so the houses that we're seeing, what price point is because it's not across the board in the houses that we're seeing multiples. No, we've had, um, well, there's a couple, We it's been a, about a month or so where, where anything like at entry level for us, like around 900-ish is, has been has been moving, it seems like within, again, a week or two. Um, Matt just had one. We had one with a client uh, that was kind of just over a million. One, yeah. I guess, just over well, 1.3. 1. 1. 1. So 
in the lower side. That's a lot over a million. That is not that is not on the lower side. I still feel like that's the entry point for a nice livable house that's not on a busy street. That's the difference though, is that sub one point one is a starter house. It's two bedrooms. There's a couple compromises. Maybe two bathrooms. Yeah, right. Like it's barely an entire house for a family. But one point three and up is where you get a good three bedroom, two, two and a half bathroom house, probably a suite or suite potential. That's from 1.3 and you're, you're up. getting what you want. Yeah. Like maybe not everything, but you're not making huge compromises. Exactly. Well, and it's interesting. You mentioned about like the 900 price point. I found, I have a listing right now, sub 900 that is really land potential. That That's what it is. It's, it's developer bait. That's the most likely buyer. But it was getting so much pressure as people just kept reducing their prices. Like we started at a price that seemed okay, but then everybody who was priced at a million dropped to like nine fifty or nine and a quarter. And we're like, oh, all of a sudden eight seventy five seems like we're out of whack. Right. Yeah. So it'll be interesting to see if if a upswing in the activity manages to take some of the pressure off some of the lower end stuff that isn't like there is a point where you're like, okay, we're too low. There aren't buyers here at this point because they can't thing? afford yeah that's totally a thing because there's too much work for them right there they can buy a house but they can't maybe sink two 200 grand into it to, or they just buy something for you're competing with the townhouse people in the u.s that are kind that, of on that yes that cusp, right totally yeah. yeah you gotta offer enough house for it to work right so jeff have you been in a multiple in the last couple weeks um I have not. You've not. No, I've been in a couple. Like, yeah, I mean they're happening. I've, I've sure. had one on a townhouse, one on a condo, and <laughs> one on a house. Yeah, uh, and they've all gone very differently. That's enough to to show a trend, though. <laughs> I, I would say I have had a couple, and you had buyers, I believe, for one of the ones that I got twice in the past few weeks. I've had where the agent called me up after and was like, "Oh, maybe we shouldn't have looked at your offer right away because." Well, we had the offer accepted. Like I had a townhouse in Queensboro that I got an offer accepted day one. We got in right away. And then he called. He didn't wait for the open house. And he's like, we had like 30 people yelling at me <laughs> that like I should have waited, uh, which I think is a good tip for the listener, starts. right? Like if it's changing right now, you can still take advantage. So for all three multiples I <laughs> yeah. ended up in, yeah. I didn't want to be in a multiple. Yeah. I tried not to. Right. All three of them, I made an offer as fast as I possibly could. And the, the listing agent waited? In two of the circumstances, the listing agent waited. And yeah. one of them, the listing agent called someone else who had shown a lot of interest. And right. they stepped in and put us into a multiple. Now, that was a, a two-month-old listing. Really? Yeah. So we went to our second showing like a week later. We saw it. We went, or maybe like five days later, went and did a second showing. And I was like, guys, we already know someone else is sniffing around. The agent has told us this. Yeah. Uh, so let's not wait for them to be first through the door. Let's be first through the door and take the initiative because the seller is going to like us more and now we're doing it on our terms. Yeah. So if you've picked this one, let's do it. Let's write the offer. We wrote the offer that night, submitted it, and then we got the call that said, yeah, well, of course, as the listing agent, I called the other person, told mm -hmm. them, and they said, yeah, we're in. So now we're in a multiple and things changed. Right. That was on a condo. So we say tip number one is, so don't be complacent. Take the initiative. The, the past mo few months, you've been able to see a place take a break, go see some more place, places, and then come back to that one, maybe see it again. So take the initiative. Don't wait for open houses. Go on a holiday. Go on a holiday. <laughs> come back. It's still around. You just saved 15 grand because they reduced the price. <laughs> yeah. Um, 
So get on top of it. Yeah, that's so much of what we said in buying at the bottom, right? Right. In that episode was there's all this stuff that sits at the bottom and waits and you can take months on it if you want, but nobody wants those ones. The one that you want is the one that everybody else wants, Mm -hmm. right? So that's, anyway, that's kind of the first part that we noticed is just jump in and try. Right. Um, The house that we did the multiple on, uh, the first day it hit MOS, the instructions didn't quite yet have the we're waiting for offers. Okay. And then later on, they did come in the day we saw it. We saw it the next day. But as, but we submitted an offer anyway. Yeah. We we went the bully route. I don't think it's a bully offer. Well, it was. Like, we were we were forcing the issue. Yeah. It's a good listing. It was priced fairly. There was no instructions on delaying offers anywhere on the listing. No, there was. You had... Oh, on the day I submitted. I, I'd already, I had been notified. You had been notified. Yeah. Let, um, let's tell the listeners what a bully offer is. Yeah, so like I said, the agent had has given instructions. It says the listing has started on Tuesday, and we're going to look at offers on Sunday night. Uh, but we see it on Wednesday. We like it for what it is. Uh, in the interest of maybe somebody else jumping in and trying to push the agenda, the timeline forward, right. uh, or to just try to give the seller exactly what they want and, and get it under our terms quickly, the bully offer is you ignore the timeline that's been told to you, and you just submit your offer anyway. This is like the godfather... I'm going to make him an offer I can't refuse tactic. Yeah. Although there's no would, horse head in anybody's bed. Would you, <laughs> like, would you say it's it's only a bully offer if they have instructions, specific instructions saying that we're waiting? Yes. Yeah, yeah. that's yeah. that would be that's, my definition of a bully okay. offer is making an offer when there are instructions to wait before the, the timeline. Yeah, yeah and, and we had, had had personal experiences and they had heard uh, stories from friends of people uh, losing because somebody else bullied. Yeah. So they just said, we're going to, again, take the initiative just to make sure that if the seller is inter- would have entertained a bully, it's going to be ours and not yeah. someone else's. And this is kind of how it started um, you know, years ago when the multiples were happening, that all of a sudden people started picking up places quicker and an agent accepted one, like Jeff was mentioning, mm-hmm. accepted the offer and like, oh, wow, I had 30 people at the open that were extremely pissed off. Yeah. And then we started delaying until after the opens and started having instructions. And then, I mean, we, I, we've had buyers before that were upset saying like, oh, you guys are just facilitating this whole thing, trying to get multiples by waiting. But in fact, we're actually, that was just a result of, okay, we need to let everyone have a chance to see yeah, this property. I mean, it's it sucks for the buyer either way in a hot market, but what would you rather have? Would you rather have, you need to go see the property within the first 30 minutes of it being <laughs> on MLS. Yeah, first come, first serve only. And write an offer right that second or would you rather wait and you're guaranteed that as long as you're on top of it within the first week, you get a chance to see it, yeah. but you are going to end up paying more. And it's not fun for the buyer either way, but I'd rather get a chance to see it. Yeah. So that's that's the sort of the bully offer. Take the initiative, get in. But what people are familiar with, these stories we've told in the past is that most of these are unconditional offers. People are blowing the doors off in price like you introduced earlier, Jeff, right? 100000 right. over a- asking, yeah. 150 No subjects. <laughs> every, every one of them, right? They yeah. were all no subjects. So today, it's different. Yeah. You know, People hear multiple offers, and I'm sure that makes a lot of people cringe. No, they know. get happy because they think of our show. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so... What's the first thing that you would want to share as far as the circumstances, the the playbook right now for multiple offers? Well, so going back to the seller's perspective, yeah, something I would think about in the hottest point, like at the peak of the hot market, it was very common to assume that there would be two rounds of multiple offers, bare minimum. You'd all submit your offers, and then the agent would maybe pick the top three 
and send them all back. And even if you had the clear winning shot, a lot of the times the agent went back to all three and was like, oh, hey, guys, you guys are the three best. I hate that. Yeah, but it was something we as agents had to deal with, right? Like that was just part of what a multiple offer was. And a lot of sellers wanted to do it that way, whether their agent was recommending it or not. Well, and unfortunately, people were willing to throw so much money at these that you could get another fifty to 100000 on top. Totally. And can you blame a seller for doing something that gets them $50,000 more? You can't. Like, it yeah. sucks, but it, that's it what it totally was. Other sucks. than how would you like to be treated on the other end? Sure. If you're, you're the winning bid by but, 50 but, grand and they're saying, ooh, it's really close. But flip that. They're going to get treated that way on the other end. They're going to go buy <laughs> something somewhere that. else. Yeah, yeah not necessarily. But. It, well, it, that was the case, though. Whether yeah. you like it yeah. or not, that is what was happening. Um, I think it would be very dangerous right now for sellers to counter no matter what. Like, my advice to sellers right now is if you have a clear winner... Like, not like, oh, there are two offers and they're both within a thousand bucks of each other. Maybe you send those two back. But right now, people aren't as gung-ho as as they were in the hot market. And if they start feeling like you're not treating with them fairly, they could very easily walk and you could you could lose that offer. And that could happen before, but the buyers, I think, were unfortunately conditioned to be used to that. Like, by the end of the hot market, you were expecting it. Well, yeah, and right now, although buyers are engaging in multiple offer situations, they are hesitant to do that. It, totally. A lot of times, the number they're coming in with, it took them a lot mentally to mm. get to that number. Well, and even just to commit to competing. Totally. Right? Like, yeah. like, like, if you get four offers on a place, there are probably six to eight people who maybe would have made an offer. Right. But those other two to four are saying, well, I don't want to compete. I'm not going there. Right, which is the value that we maybe didn't fully articulate with Matt's point about get in there first. Like, even though you were up against one guy, you may be scared off three or other guys. Like it, there is value of getting in there before everybody's written their contracts and s- s- bullying them out for lack of a better word. But yeah, I would be very careful to try and play the seller games that we've seen, like got played before. We've seen a couple too lately where um, it might just be a matter of conditions or there's one that's higher, but we don't like it. Mm-hmm. On paper, there's something that we don't like about it. So, you know, will you match or if you come up? Well, yeah, the uh, the uncertainty in the market on the other side, right? The seller understands that you know, there's so much uncertainty in the marketplace of somebody being able to sell a property, right? Like you come yeah. into a multiple with a subject to sale. You know, sometimes, well... Do you it, bother? Well, you, one, you probably shouldn't bother is is the answer, right? If you Yeah, have you're to, still not going to win yeah. a multiple with subject yeah, to sale. Yeah, because in today's market, everybody knows like, <laughs> well, what... What's the sale rate right now? It's like 15, 20% of listings sell. So, you know, is yours going to be the one in five that sells? Yeah. Right? Probably, they have to assume that it won't be. So they have to try to go with the better option, right? Yeah. So that's one. In, in the past market, when it was so strong, people could get away with not being subject to sale because they knew if they put their home on the market, it would just sell. Right. They didn't need it. Yeah. yeah. They, just, they would just have a low asking price. They'd get a multiple and they'd be fine. Right. So terms are so important now because the sellers understand that they want a sure thing mm-hmm. because there's so many people out there who would like to buy their home but can't because they haven't sold the home they're living in. Do you guys, as far as terms go, are you finding that buyers are willing to shift back into that years ago mentality a little easier than maybe they have to? I've I found even when writing into non-multiple offers lately, 
that a lot of times buyers are still like, well, I only need subject to reading the Stratadocs. And if they can get me the Stratadocs beforehand, I'll come in no subjects. And you're like, no, no, cool your jets. Like, we can put in these subjects. You can yeah. have these things. We can protect you. I would say all, all of our clients right now are more inclined to have all, won all of the conditions. Yeah, I mean, they're, they're, we've started seeing multiple offers, but I don't think, with the exception of a, of a couple, we haven't quite seen the subject-free but offers they, winning out. They are happening again, though. Like, there have been a few in New West a where few. agents it's, in our office have been like, oh, I got subject-free. I feel like we're on the fence of whether that, if this continues... Yeah, in the next few weeks here, people start missing out on you know another house, another property here or there. Um, they start getting a little bit more serious. It it's something we've talked a bit a bit about off the air, but I'm very curious about what does it take to go? Like we're not there yet. We're not. You don't. If you can't write subject free, no big deal. In fact, a lot of times you don't even have to think about that. <clears throat> Excuse me. But what does it take to go back there? Like. Well, it, what it, what it, it takes is confidence that the home you're living in, you can sell. Right. And that's a long ways away because yeah. there's too many properties that are not selling. It could be easier for condo buyers, though, if you've got entry-level condos, first-time buyers. Could you honestly, though, see us giving advice to someone that you could make an offer we're on something the, to buy? We're not the norm, though. It was, I mean, there was just, we've had condos that have, some of the ones that were subject-free were condos, right? Like down on the key. I don't know what you're saying. In terms of giving the advice to go subject free, yeah, like, like you, we couldn't look at somebody who owns a condo right now and say to them, "Yeah, go ahead and make an offer on your purchase subject free. No problem. We'll sell your condo in the next two months." Oh, we wouldn't give that. No, no, <laughs> like yeah. So until we until we hit that point that the listing agent feels confident they can sell mm-hmm. the, the 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 subject to sale property. Um, th- it's not going to become the norm to get unconditional offers because nobody wants to get caught holding the bag, holding two properties, right? No. I mean, that's why we pulled that off with the one at the point where we got theirs on the market, got an offer accepted, and then one in a multiple was subject to confirmation of sale. We had an right. like, offer accepted on the condo when we submitted an offer on the townhouse. The offer we were competing with was subject to sale. Mm-hmm. That's how we won is that slight difference in terms. The subject, the comp, the multiple we won on the house had eight offers and we didn't have a really strong price in the grand scheme of things, but we had the best terms. Right. We were not subject to sale and we had other things going with it as well. So uh, we were told, you know, if you can get a better price, mm-hmm. then your terms will put you in first position. But right, right now your price is not going to get it done. So terms are really winning the day right now because it's it's all about it's all about certainty. Yeah. You know, okay, I've accepted an offer on my house, but does that mean my house the, the offer is going to firm up? Am I actually going to be selling this? Right. So I think for any listener paying attention who's on the buying side or the selling side is to understand that that is what's most important to the seller. And, yeah. our, and our prices are still, I mean, they, they've adjusted certainly in the last year, but they're still extremely expensive. So, I mean, you wonder, I mean, we kind of said this before when like this, this was years ago when houses were going for a million bucks in New West and we're like a million dollars for this kind of little bungalow. This just seems crazy. How can it go? Like there must be just the optics, um, psychologically for people to spend a million dollars is still a million dollars today. And then we, we blew those prices out of the water. Um, but now starter home 1.3, is there, that, is there still room there for people? I, I don't know. I mean, it, when you say stuff like that, I always think about there's a house on first in Queens park, looking at Queens park 
for a million bucks that I thought about buying before the market went all nuts. And I'm like, I can't spend a million dollars on a yeah. house in Queens Park. And uh, now I look back on that and I'm like, oh, that's what I ended up spending on my townhouse. <laughs> Should have just bought the house in Queens Park. <laughs> like, it, I don't know. I, I think if you look back at the history, I mean, mentally, yeah, 1.3 to me seems as high as it can go. But there's been headlines for the entire history of real estate in Vancouver saying this is as high as it can go. Mm. So I don't know. Like you can go back to any decade and find we're at the absolute top. Yeah. It can't possibly go any higher. So so right now, I mean, you want to you still want to clean up your offer, clean up your conditions as much as much as possible. So as much due diligence as you can, ha- get that stuff done. So we're still in a world of getting the Stratadocs ahead of time. Well, that's wise, but yeah. the multiples I've won have been subject to financing, subject to inspection. So really subject to Stratadox is hardly part of the conversation at that point. So you're not, um, you're not doing pre-inspections. I was just going to say, yeah, you're not. You're, nope. No one nope. did inspections on that last nope. house, it's, I don't think. It's yeah. like a one-week condition removal, like subject removal period. So we've got five business days for financing. We're yeah. doing a full inspection. Those, the sellers are okay with accepting those terms if, as long as they're confident in their home. Right. And we can give them an explanation that they can be confident in the buyer's financing approval. Yeah. They just, they want, they don't care about waiting a week for subject removal so much as they just want to know that when that week is over, you will be removing yeah. those subjects. I think for that, <laughs> for that seller though, um, because we are dealing with conditions, it, it, it try and get a backup offer on that. While the like strike while the iron's hot, you've got four people writing because yeah, that's now, a good you're point. Going, you're, you're never going to have the leverage like you do on multiple. You're offers. calling number two, saying our deal fell through. Like, are you still around? And and yeah. you just, it's so hard that's to facilitate to facilitate that again. So if you are going to have those conditions, um, get your mm-hmm. listing agent uh, to try and try and get that number two. At a seller, um, he's not my seller, but he's my buyer. But he was telling me he accepted an offer on his listing, subject to sale. And then a week later, got another offer, 50 grand higher. And he bumped the subject to sale and the stupid thing removed there. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Which is crazy, right? Yeah. To remove your subject to sale, you better be confident that you're going to unload that thing. Yeah. No, they did. It just, they sold it. Oh, they it did. Just the timing oh, happened. Oh, they actually yeah. sold it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, because that's the odds of that happening are, are pretty low right totally. now. Totally. Right? Yeah. So I think that's that's really the big takeaway, though, for people listening to this is how do you how do you win at the bottom? It's not about trying to don't get scared about throwing a ton of money at these things. You are going to have to step up and pay. But sometimes asking price gets it done or a little over asking price. It all depends on the property and where it sort of makes sense. But you've got to get your 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 own house in order. On average, how much over list price are you on the ones that you're winning right now, do you think? Well, I can't disclose the, the, the house one ongoing. because it's, it's, it's not, it's not firm yet. Yeah. Um, but the two, the, the townhouse and the condo, I both won at asking price. Yeah. And uh, I was the lower offer in both circumstances. Nice. Right, so that's why I say get your house in order. If you're a first-time buyer, make sure you can tell, your agent can share a compelling story to the seller of why they know you will follow through, mm. right? Give So they can give the seller confidence. Yes, it's a first-time buyer. Don't worry. I've explained to them how Strata works, so they're not going to get spooked by the documents. And I've spoken with the person who's doing their mortgage, a bank or a mortgage broker, and we know everything's sorted out. You know, all this paperwork is submitted, so we're good, right? Yeah. Give them some assurances. 
And if you're if you own a property and you want to sell it and buy it, you have to get that sorted out. Right. You've got to be clean, ready, staged, virtually staged, on the market, or at least ready to sell at what you consider to be a loss. Right? And you know, leave some money on the table so that you're ready to 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 win on the purchase. So we we I can speak to one of the multiples kind of recently that was about eight offers or so. Um there was uh, still a good chunk of those that were not even in the game under asking. Um, so I'd say in that scenario, um, be prepared to be at ask or or higher if you want to at least be considered. You're not getting in under. Yeah, I saw one that was a thousand bucks over asking <laughs> price. Came across the hot sheet the other yeah. day. I think I think one thing too is the unique properties. Like there's been a few really good water view, like Fraser view amazing deck properties that have sold way over asking price. Fraser River View or Fraser View? I don't mean Fraser View, the sub area. Okay. I, mean, <laughs> I mean view of the Fraser River. You're talking about the thank, key Thank and, you for clarifying. Yeah. yeah. Like there's been a few that have just kind of gone nuts. That's been our experience too is that, yeah. that again, the tier one type, just the, the really nice ones that no yeah. train exposure, high up enough, and and move in ready. So typically, and this may not apply to every buyer who bought those, but typically those would uh, be most appealing to a downsizer. Right. And downsizers are always comfortable with throwing a lot of money at the right place because they plan on being there for a long time. And, and compared to their equity they've got out of their home. As long as they can sell their home. And you yes. remember three <laughs> years ago when we had our Queen's Park houses selling and our higher end nicer homes and that trickle down started hitting the key. They started buying the bigger Riverview units. Yeah. Um, this has a lot of those same little indicators and feelings. Not not predicting that that's about to happen again, but it does have... But it takes a, the houses to move. It takes the houses to move to free up those yeah. that money. And if you're competing on one of those nicer properties down on the key or downtown, hmm. you're potentially up against a house seller who could be writing subject free. Right. Um, so, I mean, what do we got? So for buyers in terms of houses... If you're not going up against too many, um, you could potentially be good around asking, but make sure your offer's clean, no subject to sales. Yeah, like unless it's something really, really unique, you probably don't have to blow the roof off on price. It, it really depends on how many people are involved. Well, this is true too. Yeah. Right? Like you can, you can buy a lot of properties on the marketplace right now without being in a multiple. It's just if you end up in a multiple. Yeah. And then if you do, is it, well, is it me and one other person? In which case I would say you're, you, you can win with asking price yeah. most of the time. Yeah. As long as your other terms are sorted out. Before the market used to go nuts, there was this rule of thumb in the office that it used to be uh, count how many offers you're competing again, like how many offers total? So if there are two offers versus five offers, multiply that number by between three and five, depending on how much you like the property. And that's how much over you should go. And we so only it were, if only it were that easy. <laughs> it was your mentor who told me that. Um, but it used to actually work. Like usually that would be like, if there were three offers, chances are it would go 15 to 20 grand over asking price. I don't know why. It just psychologically... But that got blown... When the market went nuts, that just... Yeah, but that's when houses were six, $700,000. Yes, right? this is true. And people were scared of going over asking price. Totally. There was yeah. this ego problem where they're yeah. like, how could I possibly sell over asking? I remember yeah. selling a house for 20000 over once when it was 70... Yeah. We are asking seven hundred. Yeah, Insane. And I thought I was amazing. It... Yeah, totally. I was peacock strutting through the whole office. You guys hear what I hold yeah. that sold that house for last week? Yeah, we, we, we noticed. <laughs> it was amazing though because 
that got told to me like three or four times when I was new in the office. And I had the same reaction you just had. I'm like, that is dumb. And then I started watching the multiples and I'm like, oh, this kind of... But you know why though? Is because the people who were winning were the people who were the newest agents who just followed that formula and would tell their clients that this is the formula and we sound like the professionals. So they're like, sure, fine, I'll do it. And then all of the other offers are like $3,000 over asking price and you're 15 and you win. And that's yeah. great. You won. I mean, yeah. the difference of $12,000, who cares? Yeah. Maybe you could calculate it nowadays based on, or what we just went through based on how much that, that how many multiple offers that person has been in and lost and then calculate that totally. multiples of yeah. tens of grand because they're send out ex- a survey to the people you're in competition their motivation with. is exponentially increasing as they lose in multiples yeah i will say regardless of the asking price uh buyers are really comfortable with twenty five thousand over asking 50 almost seems like uh just an easy checkbox when on, it's on a houses. detached house yeah. yeah like if it's if there's three offers or more fifty thousand yeah. i would I would never hesitate to say to any client asking me, like, if there's three offers or more, I'm like, there's a good chance there's one buyer in this pool who's willing to go fifty thousand yeah. over. And if you're a, and if you're a buyer that that just wrote on a property and had that situation where you're up against four or five people, just know that you've got a new benchmark when this one sells and the next one you like, there's a good chance those same people are going to like that as well. And we're all, and then it, you know that fifty might look like nothing. So. Keep it just to keep it in perspective, right? The game I always tell my buyers to play with themselves when um, that sounds awful. I know. <laughs> as soon as it, as soon as I said it, I was like, "Jared's going to say something." Um, but the the game I always recommend is uh, a little bit of red light, green light, and and it's just asking yourself, okay, if I lose this multiple offer and somebody paid twenty five thousand dollars over asking, and Matt Brabbins is my buyer's agent, and he calls me, and he's like, someone paid twenty five grand over. Is your immediate thought, oh, I would have paid that? Or is it, good, they paid too much? And if you kind of just keep going up in increments, you will hit your comfort zone. You do hit the limit. Where you're like, you know what? If somebody wants to pay 50 for that, good on them. Mm-hmm. Like That totally changes, though, when, when, when everyone... Every single place after that that you're interested in is a multiple. Oh, yeah. You have to take into what you said into account as well. And I, yeah. I think part of that, too, is um, – I don't know what I was saying. But I, I do agree with that yeah, completely. It, yes. And we, we were totally unconventional the past few years. But yeah. in a normal, like, yeah. oh, crap, this is just one of those rare ones and I like it and there's three other people, But I, that, might, that works. I guess just to kind of finish what I, my point is if you, if you make it more about you – than the other yeah. people. Like, what are you comfortable with? And then if, if you, like what Matt said, if you pay five grand or 10 grand more than the other guy did, but you're totally comfortable with that number, that's okay. Whereas if the other guy pays 20 grand more than what you're comfortable with, that's okay too, because you didn't you didn't overpay. Like Yeah, and, and we go through the exact same exercise yeah, because it's totally. a great way to internalize and not yeah. get caught up in this bidding method. Yeah, then it's not about, I got to beat you. Yeah. yeah, it's just where where is it? And I, I always say the same thing so that they can really get connected with it. it says, I'm going to call you yes. <laughs> and say, it sold for this price. How do you feel? Yeah. And if your reaction is, I would have paid that, then you need to give yourself a chance to pay that. Yeah. Right? Uh, and there's always a threshold. And I always say to them too, I'm like, I know this sounds really terrible. Like you can just keep climbing up like this forever, but you can't climb like you this won't. forever. You will hit a point <laughs> where you're like, no, you know what? That's and And if you're having trouble figuring out where you're thing where your threshold is maybe look at the payments instead of the actual like get on a mortgage calculator i like the td free one but they're all they're all great put in your amortization and your term and all the details 
and then punch it in and look and be like, okay, well, I'm comfortable paying 2000 bucks a month. Am I comfortable paying 2200 Am I comfortable paying, ooh, 2500 That means we're not going out to the movies and dinner on Saturday night. Like, that's kind of a nice way to figure out, too, your comfort zone. Yeah, absolutely. You know, because I find that there's usually the price they want to pay. Yes. And then there's the how much they actually would pay. And then like, maybe can you just like call and give me a second chance? You know? Right. <laughs> and you should definitely not assume you're getting a second chance. D- don't count on it. Yeah. And it brings me to one other point that I wanted to, I forgot I wanted to bring up on the show because we've never really talked. I had a whole segment about multiple offers before. Mm-hmm. And we're talking about competing. We're talking about getting into multiples. And one thing I want the consumers to know is that I virtually never hear agents use the word bid. Yeah, the whole bidding war thing is not descriptive of the process at all. I hate the word bid. Oh, I put a bid on that house, even when there aren't multiples. Yeah. A bid is when you write an offer on something. And they say, I will pay this price for that item. Mm -hmm. You are not simply offering a price for an item. Right. There are all the other terms involved. You are not putting a bid on a jersey at yeah. an auction. And you probably pay too much if your only negotiating point is purchase price. This is probably a whole other episode, <laughs> but like, it's nice to have other things to negotiate over other than just price. When that's how you win in a multiple. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. And that's why you will never hear me call it a bid, and I hate it. And if, if, if you are a listener and you see me somewhere, just tell me you put a bid on a house and watch my <laughs> eyes just go wide and my jaw drop, and you can laugh internally. Matt's skin turned red that day. <laughs> Uh, good work. Good to worth mention. Good worth mentioning that. Um, also, like just to touch base, just to touch back to our buying at the bottom episode. Um, <laughs> there's still some good deals that are out there. Oh yeah, we're not the the market has not turned. It, it's had a little a little uptick. I will agree though. There's there's some stuff I got my eye on right now with certain clients where I'm like, this is the chance, right, to get this one. Yeah. Because it certainly feels like things are about to change. Like if houses are doing pretty good right now, yeah. this is the time to try to go buy one on a busy street and flip it in two years. <laughs> <laughs> it's story time with Jer. Great story. Compelling and rich. It's not always my story? No, it's not always your story. What if Matt has an awesome story to tell? Well, he can tell it to me or write it down and I will <laughs> paraphrase. This is Multiple Offers, a real estate show. So it's story time, and we're talking multiple offers. And one thing we didn't talk a ton about, we touched on it a little bit, but how important stories can be <laughs> in multiple offers. And I think back to one of the very first multiple offers I ever wrote on. I was probably in the business for maybe three months. It was my very first buyers. Oh, you were new. Yes. And um, I'd done a deal where buyers came through an open house. They wouldn't leave, and I didn't know what to do, and, and they ended up buying the house. But this was my first, like, <laughs> these guys are my buyers, and we're, we're going out and we're looking. And they find a place that they love, and they want to write an offer on it, but they can't afford this house. Like, they're... <laughs> they're, they're, they're it was 415000 and their budget was three ninety five. Yeah, I think it was, like... <laughs> I think it was probably, like, six hundred. And um, no, it wouldn't. Have. It would have been. It would have been like four fifty, and they could maybe afford like five hundred. But the numbers aren't four hundred. Just so we're people aren't confused. Yeah. So well, they weren't a hundred. They weren't way off. Yeah. No, so you said four fifty, and you said they couldn't afford five hundred. Oh. So I just don't want the listeners to yes. be confused. So 
I was like, I don't even want to write this offer because we don't have a chance. And my dad was like, well, you're new. You need practice <laughs> writing offers. Just just go write the offer and don't even, like, I told him the scenario. And he's like, yeah, you're not going to win. <laughs> like, but go write the offer. Um, and I told the people, I'm like, hey, guys, we're not going to win, but we'll go through this. And we don't get to present our offers very often anymore. Not much. But back then you could. Although a lot of people didn't. And I still think there's value in presenting the offer if the listing agent will let you. Oh, I presented one in the summer and it almost won. Yeah. so Despite all sorts of negative things with it. So um, it was an agent in New West, Roger Nottingham, who hasn't... Uh, I believe he's retired. He's retired. I see him walking around yeah. the park all the time. So he did the, he did the offers at his house. And I showed up. And I'm last to present. There are three offers. And I go in, and we're coming in under asking, right? <laughs> like, we're that offer. And it's, it's two ladies and Roger sitting at the table. And I go through the whole offer, and I'm just practicing because I know I'm not going to win. So I tell their story about how these people want to renovate the house and how he's a fireman. And growing up, his dad used to buy old houses and restore them, and he'd do it with him as a kid. It was his favorite memories. And he was just about to have his first kid, and he wanted this to be what he did with, him, with his son or daughter coming. And the two women at the table start to cry. And it's an estate sale. These are the two daughters right. who had come in from out of town to sell their home, and they didn't know how bad the home had gotten. And they said, you know, Dad took so much pride in his home. We were horrified, and we felt like bad children when we got back and we realized what the home looked like. And Roger said, would you go outside, but please don't leave. And I thought, <laughs> oh. <laughs> and I wait in the car for a few minutes and I come out and Roger's like, hey, you got it. <laughs> I'm like, no, no, no counter offer? And he's like, no, they signed it. It's yours. And I'm like, was I the best offer? And he's like, you were the worst offer. <laughs> but the other two agents, their person were going to tear the house down. Yep. And the takeaway I've always had with this is you never know what's going to strike. Like, you don't know where you're going to connect. But it is important to tell the story of your buyers as much as you can that doesn't put them in a position. Because sometimes magic happens. And not, like, that's the extreme. But just even being able to form some sort of connection. People negotiate much better with real people than they do pieces of paper. And I think it's really important and a bit of a lost art in real estate that people just send the offers in. Like a lot of times I get offers, especially even in a multiple, there's no even text attached. It's just a PDF just a of piece the of offer. Paper. Yeah. Yeah. And I think you're really doing your clients a disservice, especially in a multiple. That's a great, that's a really great story for sure. That um, I think for houses, it's, it, it, that it can be so important. Totally. A little less for condos, but you, but you never know. But, but still yeah. for, for houses. Yeah. Especially entry level buyers. There's a lot of, there will be builders out there that like that scenario can still happen today. Sure. Yeah. I, I'll, I'll take the other side. Yeah. I, I believe in the, the story a hundred percent. I tell the story. Yeah. I present every you time don't I can. You made it up. <laughs> no, I don't think that's saying he doesn't <laughs> believe my I believe story. the story. I believe like in the, power of in story. the story. Yeah. I, I tell the story as much as I can. I also understand though that that's an extreme example because yes. as an estate sale, every dollar isn't so important to them. But when it's the home you're living in and you need those funds to go buy another overpriced home in the yeah. Canadian real estate world, every dollar can go a long way, right? So it's hard to leave 20 or 
$30,000 on the table. Yeah, it's a mistake to think, well, I'm not going to write the best offer. I'm just going to tell a good story. <laughs> that, 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 that's not what I'm trying to say by any means. Yeah. I, I think the the biggest part of the story often, especially for me when I represent a seller, because we want certainty to know the deal will go through, yes. is giving some assurances as to why your client will follow through. Yeah. If you can't tell me anything about your client, like how do I know that you've vetted them enough to know that yeah. it's it's all sorted out, right? Well, and I find too, and this isn't multiple this isn't for multiple offers, but in a one on one negotiation, story can really help too. Like if you're telling me that you've come to this number because you already know about all the homes and you're not going to come back to me after the home inspection. Like, don't expect, like, we've already factored these things in. That's very different than here's just a number and I'm like, oh, and I got to go through the home inspection still and I've got to, like, but it, it's very different if they come through and they're like, look, we know there are some problems. We're not going to bring this up again. Yeah. You, you know, like, or all sorts of things. Like, I, I find context matters. It just does. Yeah. Certainty. <laughs> they want certainty. The story can give them that. And without certainty, all you have is questions. Oh, it's time for question of the week. <laughs> Check out the big brain on bread. How's it working out for you? What? Being clever. Who knows where thoughts come from? They just appear. You're listening to Multiple Offers, a real estate show. I have a question that it's amazing we've never asked in this show, kind of almost like it's amazing we've never talked about multiple offers as a segment for 56 episodes. This is a question from Matt Brabens? It's my own question. (laughs) Oh, really? It is a question. Well, (laughs) it's a question for you guys because we get asked this question all the time. So it seems like something that really needs to come onto the show. Uh, What's a two-bedroom? Ooh, excellent What what makes a bedroom? For me, it's just uh, fire egress and uh, does a bed fit. So I, I have two answers to this question. Let's let Jared just elaborate on that then. So when people hear fire egress and does a bed fit. So fire so egress. Some kind of a window that someone can open and get out of. Plus a door. Yeah, so plus two, a door. So, so two egresses. So, so two points of egress. I always say that to people. If there's a fire outside of one door in your room, you want to be able to have another way out. Even if it's just another door. So yeah. Jared, you do not care about closet as Hell far as bedroom no. definition. Okay. So, so two points of egress and a bed fits. Yes. Okay. So, the I, Supreme Court of Canada. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Jared knows exactly where I'm going. So the the Supreme Court of th- there's two definitions, right? There's what the buyer expects when you say bedroom, and there's the legal definition of a bedroom. I would say the majority of buyers, when they see second bedroom in a listing, are expecting a window and a closet. And if it doesn't have a window or it doesn't have a closet, they're going to consider that a den, and they're going to be kind of annoyed when they walk in and and see the room. So I do not recommend advertising um, rooms that do not have a closet and and window as bedrooms. Now, there are outliers, of course. There are some where you're like, this room is so huge and has a beautiful window and doesn't have the closet, but you can fit a giant dresser there. And I would, in that case, probably advertise it as a second bedroom, but put in the description, no closet in second bedroom, tons of room to put one in or, or something so that people aren't annoyed. The legal definition of a bedroom as far as real... This was challenged, and the Supreme Court of Canada ruled that there is no definition for for a bedroom um, because people sued realtors for calling rooms without closets bedrooms, and as far as the Supreme Court of Canada is concerned, there is no legal definition of a bedroom. Yeah, and honestly, I just think it has to function safely as a bedroom. And for safe... 
Lee, you're you're thinking fire escape. Fire fire egress is the is the bare minimum, and then it has to function as a bedroom. Yeah. So if it's eight by eight and there's no closet, that kind of isn't big enough because right. You once you put the furniture in, there's no room for a, a bed. But new developments build all sorts of bedrooms that are eight by eight, but they also then have a closet. So interesting by your definition, I sold a place a couple of years ago, uh, just off of Main Street, and it was. A two-bedroom, but the second bedroom, while it did have a window and a closet, did not have fire egress. So it, the build, the room was designed so that it had a window, but the window was to the living room. Yep. And then that window could see out, like it was getting daylight, mm-hmm. but it definitely did not have a fire escape. No, no, that's that's fire egress because there's plenty. Because I can break through the window. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, there's plenty yeah. of windows that don't open. Right. Right. Yeah, it's that's just glass house. Yeah. yeah, it's like that, right? Yeah, the, yeah. They, glass house is a good. They example. do that a ton on like commercial yeah. drive and other stuff where yeah. they, they create these second bedrooms. We did a deal this year on a place on Marine Drive in North Vancouver that yeah. had one like that that was sunken back inside the unit with you know, mm-hmm. in a, and I had I it was a it was new development, so I got the developer to actually show me something from the city and the fire department that that was confirmation. Right. This can be called a two bedroom according to their fire safety regulations. Right. Okay. Interesting. Right? It had a sprinkler in it. And that was sort of the difference there too. Um, different things like that. But um, I just wanted to function, right? So yeah. we've got a property for sale right now that's a one in den. The mm-hmm. den is very big. Mm-hmm. I would call it a bedroom. It's yeah. got a window. It's got a sliding door to the patio. It's got doors to the living room. It's big enough for a queen size bed plus a big wardrobe. Like it, it functions in every way. It's a it's a one and a half bathroom unit. That's the problem. And the full bathroom <laughs> is ensuite to the master bedroom. And people are like, so 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 what? And I'm like, stop and think about it for a second. You have your kid lives in the second bedroom. To have a shower, they come through the master bedroom to get to the bathroom. That home doesn't allow that to function as a two bedroom. I think though two people. Although I sold one of that exact same layout you're talking about. To a mom and her son, and they were just okay with it. They're just okay with it, but I don't think it's fair to market it that way. I agree. Th- those um, those units would be so much more sellable if they just put the full bathroom in the shared and the like. If they neutral territory, totally. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think a good there's a there's a good chunk of people that are looking for two bedroom units though that just need that room to have that functionality to fit a bed. Not necessarily that I need a two bedroom because there will be humans in this bedroom. First living in it full time. Full time. Well, and that's where you need to, yeah. And that's, so that's where I'm, I'm kind of on the fence with that, you know, because we have, uh, we have a ton of them in New West that are one in dens and the den, the dens are larger than new, like you're talking about eight by eight. Um, they're, they're bigger than a lot of bedrooms, master bedrooms, even in, in newer development. Those one in dens on princess. Oh, that, yeah. that like the den is actually better than some of the two bedrooms, <laughs> but the the problem there is that building has a um, occupancy, oh, occupancy limit. limit. Yeah, so two <laughs> occupants per per bedroom, official bedroom, and it's registered as a one bedroom on the strata plan. So you're in trouble. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah, so you got to watch a, your developer yeah. plans because if they're yeah. if or read your bylaws because it is okay that that might work for you and your family. Um, but if they have a limit on on the people, you got to be careful. Yeah, there's a, there's just a truth at advertising part of it, right? But I would say that the consumers, for some reason, think that um, window in a closet is the definition, and they only think that because it's been just perpetuated by realtors. Be- yeah. But there is no legal definition, so it frustrates me when people come up with these made up standards. Totally right. Like, I think that. there should be a legal definition for a den. For a den, 
Oh, could we just get one? De- <laughs> could we just get one word for a den? Like you try and search for a one and den on MLS, but some people have a den, some people have a nook, some people have an office. Like it would be really nice if we had one word that we called den De- or den. That's just a box out in a room that's not even that, that only two me. walls, not even like a third wall to call it a den. Yeah, my my definition of a den is it should be a separate room, but it, but there are lots of people that have a nook. I would call that a nook. <laughs> We're opening a can of worms. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for answering my question, guys. You're welcome. So that's it for episode 56. We did it. Multiple <laughs> offers of multiple offers. Multiple offers on multiple offers. <laughs> <laughs> awesome, guys. Well, thank you guys for listening. If you're enjoying this show, please leave us a five-star review on iTunes and if you have any questions, you can reach us at feedback at morealestateshow.com. If you want to get in touch with Matt or Jeremy, they are at thenewwestguys.com. And if you want to reach me, Jeff McLennan, I am at realestatenewwest.com. And please follow us on Instagram so Jeff will post more. Yes. <laughs> So I don't, Matt. You may not be aware of this, but Matt and I, or Jeff and I, have a Facebook page group that we run. I feel like every time we give you an off-topic, <laughs> we go here, back here, to this well. Here, hear me out. Um, ever since joining or starting this group with with my friend Jeff, who sits beside me, um, I've joined another group. Uh, a Bowen Island group. We talked about Bowen Island oh. at our episode. Oh, because yeah, I was telling you about our little community group. Four. Yeah. Hey, good segue to the vacation property group because join your local community group. Right. It is the cutest group ever. <laughs> the, the the topics, the the everything people are talking about, anywhere from um, someone's one of the counselors' cats showed up to the the council meeting or whatever. Um, someone's kid was on a trail and lost their favorite stuffy. Has anyone seen it? Can you return it? <laughs> Aww. <laughs> right to people being disgruntled about how people are going into the ferry lineup. People's perspectives on how to zipper. Um, to why are people's dogs off leashes? This isn't what this is about. And just recently. A couple people were kind of being a bit negative, kind of using, you know, idiot, the word, you know, idiot. They're just kind of being jerks. Um, and they had to kick off a few people off of the group. We haven't had to kick anybody out of Eden We haven't West had yet. to kick anyone out. But I was wondering, I was kind of thinking to myself, real life has jerks and idiot, and, you know, a-holes, I guess. it's We're at the end of the show, so I can say it. But um, You can we say have, a-hole. We have these people in real life and... and <laughs> And who knows, it could be just a little blurb, um, might not be, they might not normally be a jerk, but for whatever reason, something was said and it pissed them off. Um, and they may have gone, gone about it the wrong way, but do we actually kick the people off or, or well, cause are we just censoring ourselves from people that have differing opinions than us? But, but a group isn't a public place, right? Like it's like ha- being part of a club. It's not a place at all. It's a virtual place. It's a, Facebook is not a real thing. Um, like, I, I feel like, yeah, if it, I mean, this is why. Is it no strikes, though? Or is it like, hey, are you having a bad day? And can you just you can bring it in a better way next time? So Jarrah is my fellow admin of Eat New West. Um, we created guidelines within of these are the rules of engagement. Um, remember, we, we made that video about it. And I remember I would say at Eat New West, if 
our only real guideline is, hey, stay on topic. We're talking about New West. We're talking about food. And no personal attacks. Didn't we say, like, don't be greasy, no sales stuff? No, we, no, we didn't oh, even say In fact, right, we so encouraged it. We were like, hey, if you're a restaurant and you're having specials, let us know. Like We, we did say that in the video. Yeah. Um, um, but if somebody was doing personal attacks, depending on the severity, I mean, if somebody got all racist, I'd, I'd kick them out of the group without any warnings or anything. But it, let's just say somebody got into a, like a spat with somebody. about. Well, we had one. If we had two said, people arguing over good Italian food. This is the best Italian place. You're wrong. Yeah. You're an idiot. And I, I don't kick think... kick them out? I would, say, I would say warning first time. Like, hey, that's not cool here. And then, you know, if it becomes a problem, yeah. Because that one person is going to poison the well for Toxicity. everybody else. Toxicity. Yeah. Like, if... Like, let's say we had somebody... Nobody said you're an idiot. But let's say somebody did. All the people who aren't commenting are like, oh, well, I don't want that guy to call me an idiot. Like... Yeah. Yeah. I, I think... Um, I guess also I kind of think, like cool you're on the internet i know who you are and you're and you're, you're kind of being an idiot mm-hmm. um yeah and now the world knows in this community that that's who you are so, jerry keeps pointing at matt in his example because <laughs> i'm looking at i'm, look, I'm looking at matt um i'll be the punching I, bag I yeah. turning my head this way um no but i don't know i just kind of wondered like maybe it's just good to have those people and then people are aware that like yeah i know what type of person you are yeah i think I think it's just important to keep it fun, right? Like, I have a question for Bowen Island people. What do you think the... Like, are you young in that group? Is it an older oh, group? Oh, I, I have no idea. I just see the funny pictures people post. Yeah. I go, oh, that's cute. <laughs> yeah, because I, I would say our our average age in Eat New West is 35 to 45. And, and people are pretty respectful. I wouldn't say they're super young, because, I mean, there, there would be, I guess, residents there... Uh, people that are like leaving the city. You got sounds like there's, you've got a bit of what I've picked up on. You've got some some of the newer people that are coming. Yeah, they're trying to make this thing work. Um, some people were complaining about the off leash dogs, and some folks were saying like, "We come here to get away from the city." And it's like, well, that doesn't mean you just come here and have no rules. Uh, <laughs> we like, too just are. chill, man. You just kind of chill. It's just Bowen Island. Like, yeah, I've lived here my whole life, and it's not cool that you're you know stupid dogs running around being a jerk. Right. Uh, but, we get that uh, in too. I mean, too, right? Where it's yeah. like, hey, I'm trying to come out and enjoy the wilderness, you know, walking my dog. But yeah, but you can't be mm-hmm. like ruining my day because of it. So if you don't have your dog under control, then you got to have it on a leash, right? There's different right. rules. And it's like, and people are like, hey, relax, man. It's like, too, I mean, it's, and like when people get mad about people running their dirt bikes too loud, right? And we're like, no, dude. Like, this is a little five block sort of residential zone. Right. And we are surrounded by hundreds of hectares of trails. <laughs> Go rip it up there. Go practice wheelies. Yeah. <laughs> Do your wheelies somewhere else. Like we're not saying don't dirt bike. Yeah. This is an amazing place for your dirt bikes and quads, but you don't need to do it in front of my house. Right. Okay. <laughs> so we're still going to keep vegans and vegetarians and and uh, gluten free people on the on the Facebook group. <laughs> yeah, we're not we're not discriminating. No, okay. Nobody's getting okay. getting kicked that's out. All, that's all. That's all I want. But if you're lactose right intolerant, watch out. Don't tell anyone. <laughs> <laughs>